Hey everybody, I'm Nick Davis. Welcome to Simply Not Easy, the podcast about simple action steps to improve the journey of your life as I work to improve the journey of my own. Hey, what's going on everybody? Welcome back to Simply Not Easy. Hope everybody's having a real good day out there. So today being Muscle Monday, Great, fantastic day. So prior to doing this episode, I was just uh, working on part of the movement and mobility course that was being run by Dr. Kelly Starrett. Um, He's offering this online course. Uh, He offers it throughout the year and everything, and it's a a good little primer. Good. uh, I think it's one of its best assets is it's a reconstruction of ways to think about movement, ways to think about health and quality of life, um, and ways to not only directly think about and integrate these different principles that I already know, but then, okay, how do we specifically work on that? How do we target different tissue? How do we target different movement patterns and categorize movement, not in terms of necessarily individual muscle fibers and muscle function themselves, but these large patterns of movement as it relates to different athletes and different positions you have to be in different movement patterns. Um, But what are kind of the, what he calls quote unquote movement archetypes that um, create a common language for movement among coaches and trainers and all that. So another little kind of fun tidbit to add based on my podcast yesterday about looking at, looking through the eyes of a personal trainer and um, talking about my evaluative process about really the main thing I look for is movement, is position, the way you execute um, under a variety of loads, under a variety of different speeds. Does it change? Does it break down? Where do you fatigue along the way? When you do, what's kind of what breaks down first? And maybe or maybe it's not correlated to pain. It oftentimes has a poor correlation with pain, but that's an area that we can directly work on. And no, it's not medical, but it's a way of helping incorporate a better movement pattern strategy, which is absolutely essential. So um, yeah, it's been great kind of getting on the grind with that this morning. Um, you know, I got fond memories of the times where I did uh, work with Dr. Uh, Kelly Starrett, work with K Star in person, uh, definitely a, a great dude and a wealth wealth of knowledge and you know that's kind of been the theme of myself lately is be around situations where you're going to be humbled be around situations where you're working with people who are far smarter than you have far more experience than you because if you're the smartest person in the room you're in the wrong place my friend and that's definitely the life philosophy i take after but anyways uh getting after muscle monday here We are going to talk about a muscle in the forearm, and the forearm has tons and tons and tons of different muscles involved there. This one is the ECRL, which stands for your extensor carpi radialis longus. We're going to break those words down so it's not just a whole bunch of medical mumbo-jumbo. We're going to hopefully make it a little bit less medical mumbo-jumbo. So extensor, the extensor part of it just means it extends so you've got two primary motions um, flexion or extension forward and backward and extension of the wrist is going to be pulling the knuckles up when you're looking at the forearm 
So, yep, so kind of flexing it would be like bringing the fingers all down, flexing forward, extending it is knuckles kind of towards the back of the hand. Other than carpi, carpi, um, that stands for the carpal bones. So that's working on the wrist. So extensor carpi is the muscle that extends the wrist. Radialis is working on the radial side of the body. So we've got, in our form, we got two bones. We got the radius and we got the ulna. And so the radius is on that, obviously, the radial side compared to the ulnar side. So the radial side is near your thumb and the ulnar side is near your pinky finger. So easy way to remember those. And we also throw on the word longus in there for extensor carpi radialis longus. And that's because there are two muscles that are named extensor carpi radialis, one brevis and one longus. So one long and one that's short. And you know, honestly, as I'm thinking through this and everything, Actually, we're going to do a last-minute switch-up for today before I go ahead and get into the heart of this. So actually, today, I want to talk to you guys about the extensor carpi radialis brevis. So again, same thing applies. There are two muscles, extensor carpi radialis, and the brevis is the shorter one, longus is the longer one, but they both work to go ahead and extend the wrist and... Uh, send it over towards that radial, the thumb side. But we'll go over that action in a second. The reason, actually, well now, let me let me get into the anatomy first, and then we'll talk about the reason why I wanted to go with brevis today. So the origin, the origin where it starts with the anatomy for extensor carpi radialis brevis is on the humerus, so the upper arm bone, and it's on your lateral epicondyle. This is true for the majority of the muscles that extend the wrist is this pretty cool stuff and you know i've worked with a lot of musicians and everything and this is a um very much true for them as well understanding their function but most of the muscles that move the wrist are nice long muscles that actually start closer up towards the elbow so this muscle extensor carpi radialis brevis is on the humerus the lateral epicondyle and you can see that in your body where if you look at the back side of your hand and you extend your wrist up with a good amount of force and you put your hand kind of over your outer elbow and your inner elbow, the medial lateral, you'll see the lateral one move up and have more muscle bulk to it when you're extending the wrist. And then the insertion point for extensor carpi radius brevis is kind of already, it's on your third metacarpal, which is basically the shaft before your third finger on the dorsal base of it. So dorsal base, so dorsal just means the back side of your hand and base is the closer part towards the middle of your body. So if you kind of wiggle your middle finger up and down and you move from the tip of your finger all the way to the bottom of your finger, then you keep kind of pushing down about another four inches or so, depending on the size of your hand then you'll have reached the end of that metacarpal. Um, yeah, so and that's, that's exactly where it inserts. So um, that's the anatomy. And you can test this by really, really extending your wrist nice and strong, but using your other hand for resistance. So I'm, let's say with my left hand, I'm trying to extend my wrist, but my right hand's on top of the back of my hand not letting myself do it. I can really see those muscles pop out nice and strong. 
So we talked about where it goes. We talked about its pathway. So what we've got to do now is talk about its action. So when that muscle contracts, when the origin stays where it is and pulls the insertion closer to it, what happens? Well, the if talking about being on the back part of the hand, it makes sense when we say that the wrist is going to extend. But it's also going to abduct slash radially deviate. So we can deviate our wrist to the radial or ulnar side. So when we deviate it to the radial side, we bring our thumb closer towards our forearm. And we deviate towards the ulnar side, we bring our pinky finger closer towards our forearm. And this is really important as far as kind of combined motions and more functional positions because our wrist doesn't just go up and down. And that's it. The innervation. So what happens with the innervation of the extensor carpi? Sorry about that pause, everybody. Huh? That was uh, the lady I'm staying with for a while I'm down in Texas here. She was just doing a little bit of cooking and she called for my help because she had hard boiled up a bunch of eggs and was like, oh, I'm not strong enough to uh, to drain the water out of here. Nick, you wanna help me out? So uh, yeah, gotta make that happen. Gotta, gotta be yoking around, eating up, getting those good uh, eggs in. And you can't be doing that if they're still drowned with hot boiling water all the time. But anyways, we were talking about the innervation of extensor carpi radialis brevis before I got distracted and trailed off on y'all. So the innervation comes from the radial nerve. And the radial nerve is one that innervates the triceps that we talked about before. And it does a lot of the extensors of the form. And the radial nerve has two major branches. It has the deep branch and the superficial branch. So... This, um, this muscle is innervated by the deep branch of the radial nerve, and specifically the posterior interosseous nerve. So what happens when the ra radial nerve travels down is that it goes down through the triceps and everything, goes on the pathway that we might get into the more specifics of it later, but basically it goes through a muscle called the supinator. And just before it goes through the deep branch, so it separates into superficial and deep. Once the deep branch passes through the supinator, it's renamed the posterior interosseous nerve. And it's pretty cool because the name makes sense actually. So it's, you know, it's kind of funny when anatomy actually works out sometimes. So the posterior interosseous nerve is named that because it's between the interosseous membrane, the membrane between the bones, the radius and the ulna, and it's on the posterior aspect of it. So the back of the forearm. This makes sense because it's in a similar area to where the muscle is. So when in doubt, the nerve that innervates the muscle is the nerve that's located close to the muscle because little branches have to come off to actually go inside the muscle to provide that innervation, to provide that signaling for healthy function and structure as a result of that. And the nerve roots that comprise this are from C7 and C8. So that's the innervation. But why today, why did I make a last minute, why did I call an audible on the play? Why did I make a game time decision to change it up to extensor carpi radialis brevis? Well, part of the reason is getting at the whole um, misnomer, oftentimes misnamed idea of tennis elbow. And, you know, typically the idea of tennis elbow, aka uh, lateral epicondylasia, or formerly lateral epicondylitis. The difference between epicondylitis 
and algia is itis refers to inflammation and algia refers to pain um, so basically all we're saying is that there's either pain or inflammation on that lateral part of the elbow and that part of the condition is really in this elbow well we know that we've found that in a lot of these painful issues that there's actually no active inflammation acute inflammation process going on so that's why it's really not fair or not accurate to call it an itis as opposed to an algia so that's why kind of the renaming happened but this commonly gets termed tennis elbow and i want to talk about tennis elbow for a minute mostly because later on this morning i'm going to go play some racquetball so that'll be a bunch of fun i haven't played racquetball since like Honestly, it's probably been like seven, eight years or so, but we had a, uh, one of the family friends came, came to visit and apparently he bring, we got talking and stuff and apparently he brings his own rackets with him. He plays like four days a week. So it's kind of like me with basketball, but he plays basketball too and everything. So, uh, yeah, we're going to give that a try later this morning and have a, uh, we're going to cause a racket and cause a real racket. So with these kind of racket sports, the reason why it's often been deemed to be called tennis elbow is because of that rotating motion all the time and the intense stabilization that has to occur from those extensor muscles. And the ex when lateral epicondylasia happens, or tennis elbow happens, the most, the muscle that's usually at the culprit, just based on its anatomy and orientation, is this muscle is the extensor carpi radialis brevis and it can get some gnarly trigger points in there that leads to pain over time oftentimes with tendinous issues it's a period it's a lot of underactivation, not enough activation or training and then they go through periods of intense volume change to increase it and the pain doesn't actually start and occur once you have it because oftentimes the pain is after the fact but what happens is you you have so uh, such an intensity to it that your body needs to recover then all of a sudden it's not undergoing any kind of force and the fact of not undergoing any kind of force promotes collagen change and all this great fun stuff is that as you do that that's when the pain starts to occur so actually some of the best treatment for this is working for some soft tissue massage getting in there i've certainly done a fair share of dry needling for this that's really effective but getting at the tissue restrictions itself then also working on eccentric or isometric muscle strengthening for that muscle to help get it a little bit more robust so let's say that at the time this tendon can only tolerate a certain amount of load and let's say it can only tolerate 100 pounds of load, 100 units, whatever. These are extremely arbitrary numbers right now. And let's say with your playing tennis or your daily activities or other sports, you're putting a 130-pound load, 130 units of load on this muscle, stuff that it cannot withstand. So what we've got to do is we've got to kind of break up the restrictions and everything, the tension, the tightness, and the muscle to help it function better and decrease the pain spasm cycle because a pain spasm cycle is a gnarly little beast. Basically, that's saying that you're in pain, so your body spasms up, it shuts down, kind of like you sprain your ankle. The ankle tightens up to make it less likely to be injured again. Great for short term. But then your body senses that it, it's spasming and say, oh, I must be in pain. 
So it increases the sensation of pain in your body because you're spasming. Then by having that further increase of pain, you go into more of an acute spasm, more of an acute tightening. So it's this nasty cycle that we need to really work hard to break that up for people. But then in addition just to being painful, we need that tendon and muscle area to be more robust, to tolerate more of a load. So let's say you're putting 130 units of stress on it or whatever, and it can only handle 100. Now we've made it more robust with exercise to handle, handle 120 units of load. And that's great, but it's still not enough. So what we have to do is recognize that the different regions of our body actually depend on each other. So we, d we have more muscles in our body than just this one muscle. So we have to use more than just this one muscle. So what I, what I would do for a lot of patients is instead of just working on the extensor carpi radialis brevis, looking directly at that muscle, let's look at, hey, what other muscles are underactive or underutilized, not necessarily weak, but maybe weak, are underutilized that we could help to reinforce that. So I look a lot to the shoulder itself, to the shoulder blade, where if you're going through a lot of power and rotational movements, especially with a sport like tennis, although this happens in daily functional life for many, many people, what happens is that we can increase the activation of our shoulder blade, of our shoulder muscles to carry out the load. And from there, we take stress off that lateral elbow, the lateral epicondylasia. This is kind of like deadlifting where I think about you're not, when you're deadlifting, you're using your arms just to lock out and hold it in place. You certainly are not shrugging the weight up or using your arms to pull directly from your back. But what you are doing is you're locking out, you're using your grip strength to hold it, and you're using the rest of your body to create the prime movement. That's what I think about a lot when I think about some of these other sports is you're holding it. You're holding the racket. You're kind of using the arms to to stabilize in a way, to be an extension of the rotational um, acceleration power through your torso, through your shoulder, through your shoulder blade. And so, yes, there are fine movements and there are el there's elbow flexion extension to change that a little bit and some wrist movements too. But the prime movement should come from the more proximal, more robust part of the body in that area. So thank you everybody for tuning in. Hope you guys got a little more insight into this long-winded name muscle, extensor carpi radialis brevis, what it does, what it's capable of doing, its function in the human body, and the common conditions that it can cause, um, being lateral ep epicondylasia, and how that this is a diagnosis not just specific to people who happen to play tennis. There's not just tennis elbow, there's ping pong elbow too. No, okay. um, I mean, there probably is ping pong elbow too, but this can happen with many different functional activities and just talking about kind of strategies that I use in terms of let's make the tissue itself that's being affected more robust so it can handle more of a load. Now let's also see what other tissues aren't working hard enough to give us some help, to give us some support that need to be to take some stress off of it. And we always need to, when in the presence of injury, we always need to work on this from both angles. And if you feel like you're not or that the person providing care to you is not i'm not saying they're doing a, something wrong but you might want to have a conversation with them as to why they're doing that all right everybody thanks for tuning in i'm getting out of here gonna go cause a racket simply not easy